Here is what you missed this morning on the Catholic Morning Show. Let's go to our next guest. We've saved some good time for this because I'm, I'm super interested. Uh, author of the book, Good Music, Sacred Music, and Silence, Three Gifts of God for Liturgy and for Life, Dr. Peter Kwasniewski uh, joins me. Hello, doctor. Hello. Thank you for, for inviting me. Well, this is interesting. Uh, first of all, you've been at this for decades now, right? Yes, I've been singing in church choirs since I was a child, and ever since then I've been singing, eventually conducting, composing. So, yes, my life is very much connected with church music. So, first of all, liturgy and for life. Um, I, I, this, is, this is something that shouldn't be kind of newer in the church, and I, I don't think it is, but I think it's kind of gaining some at least traction, if you will, that, that the liturgical life isn't just to be lived when I walk into church. Right. This is all encompassing of all our lives. Yes, yes, and in fact, for for many many centuries, um, Catholic the lives of Catholics were shaped by the liturgical calendar, by mm. the feasts and fasts, um, by what you know the processions that they did. Uh, you know, liturgy spilled out of the church a lot more. And uh, you know, to put it very briefly, I mean, the the influence of Protestantism first and then secularism after has tended to confine. Catholics to what they do in churches on Sunday, um, and we know that that has led to this unfortunate phenomenon of of Catholics who seem to be Catholic only for an hour on Sundays. Mm. You know, when you say uh, liturgical calendar, uh, for those that may not be familiar with the fact that we have a liturgical calendar in the church, how, how would you describe what it is? Well, it's it's quite simply it's the it's the cycle of celebrations by which we. Uh, by which we enter into the mysteries of the life, death, resurrection, ascension of Christ, the coming of the Holy Spirit, and then also all of the saints' feasts that we celebrate. Those, I think, are very familiar to Catholics, mm-hmm. at least certain certain feast days, like December 8th, Immaculate Conception. Um, so, yes, I mean, these are the Church's calendar is, you might say, the the ultimate sacred realities that are superimposed upon and penetrate into our lives in this world. So it, it, you know, it should, for Catholics, have more, more precedence than the secular uh, observances, you know, like Martin Luther King Jr. or President's Day or something like that. You make a pretty bold claim in which you say that today's popular music is harmful to the soul. What do you mean by that? Yes, well, of course, that's a, it's a huge question. We would need a lot of time to unpack it. But, um, but what I argue in the first part of the book is that uh, there's a reason why all of the greatest philosophers of, of Western civilization, from Plato and Aristotle through uh, Boethius and Augustine down through Aquinas and then into the modern age, um, have, have argued that, that music, um, it, it, it embodies certain... Uh, motions of the passions, and it can do so either in an orderly or a disorderly way. That is, the music can stir up these passions in us. We know it does that because of our experience of listening and how it, it calms us or works us up or you know, has different effects on us. Um, and uh, there's definitely music that is calculated to appeal to man's lower passions um, in, a, in, a, in a sort of uh, excessive way. Uh, we call those passions concupiscible or irascible when they have to do with either um, love or anger. Uh, so yeah, I, I, do, I do think, and I make a pretty good argument for this, I would say, that um, what we listen to, the diet, our musical diet has the kind of influence on our soul, our psyche, that our physical diet has on our bodies. Ooh. Wow. I like that analogy. You come up with that yourself? 
That's pretty good. I, I don't know if I came up with it myself, but it's one that I've been using for a long yeah. time. Yeah, no, I like um, it. And, I like it. But you're not you're not anti music, right? I mean, you, you love music. This is your this is yes. your passion. Exactly. So to to take that analogy further, um, what I'm saying is that that there is the equivalent of you know of excellently prepared fine cuisine, delicious, organic, uh, <laughs> and everything uh, I and don't that would eat. Be, and that would be something like the great music of our tradition, you know, the, the composers from the Renaissance and the Baroque through the classical and romantic periods, and then down into the modern times, because we still have great composers. A lot of people don't even realize that, mm. um, because their, their, their musical diet is so limited. Um, and then, you know, you have, uh, you have sort of uh, healthy uh, granola and whole wheat bread, and that's, I can, you know, I would compare that to uh, folk music, good, authentic folk music, bluegrass, whatever it might be. Um, and then you have junk food and sorry to say it but i think a lot of a lot of the pop music on the radios uh, today is is junk food for the soul so if i open up your kind of music list right now that you're listening to on your phone i'm going to see like metallica and all that stuff right? that's what i'm going to see <laughs> oh yeah 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 <laughs> so, we're going to be rocking out there so. <laughs> now, what, what am i going to see what what what, what songs well, or music or composers yes yeah, so in, in high school, I had what I call a musical conversion. Um, I was just listening to to rock bands, you know, as my siblings were doing and my friends, um, listening to some rap. I mean, just just a sort of typical cross-section of the 1980s music. Um, and uh, I still know all of that all too well, because <laughs> once music gets into your soul, it kind of stays there for, yeah, forever. Yeah, it does. Um, you know, you, you, you can hear a little melody after 30 years, and the whole thing comes back to you, right? Um, but uh, but I, I had this music class appreciation class where the professor he uh, the, the teacher he played for us uh, and these are high school kids of course um, he played Vivaldi's Four Seasons he played uh, he showed us Mozart uh, the, the movie Amadeus to introduce us to Mozart and he was just he was so good at picking pieces the kind of pieces that people really do enjoy listening to that are always sold out when they're performed mm. um, you know that that uh, you know commercial jingles will use because they're <laughs> because they're very effective sure. um, and uh, we you know I actually got, I mean I think everybody enjoyed the class while they were taking it I don't know if it affected them as much as it did me but I just I found like I found a whole new world opening up for me and I started borrowing CDs from this teacher and uh, began to listen to Handel and Vivaldi and Bach um, and you know, for me, it wasn't a, a sort of snobbish thing because I was just simply following the promptings of of my ear, you know, and, and my heart. It wasn't <clears throat> I wasn't trying to be countercultural or anything. I just thought this is this is incredibly beautiful music. It's so rich. It's so complicated. It's so um, it's so uh, you know. Um, uh, it's actually quite exciting. I mean, when the classical composers get going, they can do a lot more than than pop music can do because they're working with a much with, with a gigantic sonic palette. You know, it's like they're like artists who are working with a thousand colors instead of just three or four. Mm. So, what's your definition of great music? My definition of great music is music that reflects the grandeur of the human soul in in all of its depth and breadth, um, and that means that the emotions that this music should should conjure up um, should be varied and 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 also subtle to a certain extent. I mean, you know, our modes shouldn't just be like 
depression or hyped up or lust or, you know, these kind of blunt instruments. Um, but we should be dealing with, you know, sort of every shade of, of feeling and every shade of reaction to the world in which we're living. So that when you, when you listen to the music of great composers like Beethoven, just to take a great example, uh, you find in his, in his, say, in his Fifth Symphony, a whole spiritual journey from um, from defiance uh, over over his encroaching deafness uh, to um, a kind of despair to resignation to elation and and victory and conquest uh, it's this amazing journey of his soul um, in the face of adversity and we all have that journey but um, isn't it wonderful when art can accompany us and can illuminate that for us? You're a big uh, lover of Gregorian chant. For those that aren't familiar with it, what what is it? Yes, well, Gregorian chant. You know, it's it's not. Uh, it's 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 simply the liturgy, the the um, the ritual of the church uh, in musical form. It's not some kind of addition or ornament that was added later on, but it's simply the way the liturgy was chanted in the first millennium. You know, it, it, maybe I should just clarify this. Every, every religion in the world, even outside of Christianity, but certainly within it as well, um, has something you could call chant. Hmm. Um, that is to say, the sacred texts uh, by which um, God is worshipped are sung, and chant is simply nothing other than the singing of these sacred or ritual texts. Um, and that's, you know, so when you, when you get to a Mass with Gregorian chant, it's not as if the Mass is one thing and the chant is added on the way that hymns are, or even motets or other types of music. No, it's the Mass, instead of being said, is sung, and that's what the chant is, right? Uh, it's a hard concept for people because, for some people, because uh, for many decades now we've had a situation where most of the liturgy is simply recited, um, it's not chanted, uh, and then other pieces of music are added on, kind of like, like extras, you know, like frosting on the cupcake. Um, and this is definitely not the way things were historically, and it's also not the way things are supposed to be, according to the magisterium of the Church. Silence. Man, it's a, it's a powerful, uh, powerful thing. Silence. John of the Cross said is the language of God. Yes, and, and of course, it would be very unfitting for me to write a book about music in which I didn't take up silence. Sure, um, silence is is the is is the the precondition for really being able to appreciate music and to write it. Um, if if your soul is too agitated and too um, conflicted and and too full of noise. Um, then music is kind of water off a duck's back. So I think Grotzinger is right when he says the great music emerges from a kind of silence, and it also leads to silence, the silence of, of astonishment, of appreciation, of contemplation, ultimately, especially for religious music. Where can people get the book? Yes, it's from Tan Books, um, and so you can get it from Tan Books online uh, directly from the publisher. You can also get it at the usual places, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and the like. Um, and you can also, if people want, they can go to Osseus Press. that's my publishing company, and they can get a copy, a signed copy from me there. Nice. You can also go to Divine Treasures here locally, friends, as always. If they don't have it, they will order this book for you. Good Music, Sacred Music, and Silence, Three Gifts of God for Liturgy and for Life. Dr. Peter Kwasniewski. Great stuff, man. This is going to be uh, this is going to be featured on a best of here coming up. God bless your oh, work, doctor. Thank you. Listen to the Catholic Morning Show weekday mornings at seven on the Iowa Catholic Radio Network, iowacatholicradio.com, or the Iowa Catholic Radio app.